We all glad to be in church today? Praise the Lord. AC. Come on, everybody say AC in the house. My goodness, we should be packed today, you know. How many have central air? Anybody have central air? All right. How many roll their windows down in their car for air conditioning? Praise the Lord. We have prayer at the front for you. It's awesome. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek. I want to welcome you to, to Connect, and hopefully you've been blessed so far in the worship experience and, of course, the, the communion, a time of remembrance and uh, reflection on what Jesus did for us. Uh, today's message will actually accent that or accentuate that a lot, and I hope you'll be blessed by that. Um, kind of want to just do what I always do, but I, I want to make sure that it doesn't come across uh, overly familiar or just become old and stale. I don't think sometimes we realize, you know, March 11th, we had a baby in Framingham. We had a church that we planted in Framingham. And I want to say, first of all, to Ashland about Framingham, thank you so much for all that you did to make that possible. Some of you were a big part of that. You contributed so that we could birth a church. It was actually a very expensive uh, venture to be able to do that. And because of the faithful ties and offerings of our spiritual family here, uh, we were able to do that. And not only that, but we were able to continue to sustain a baby. How many know a baby can't take care of itself right away, everybody? You know, I've got a grandson, and he definitely could not take care of himself yesterday. And so he needed an army of support. And so we had a lot of different people that were taking care of him in shifts. And so it's kind of like that with the church. Sometimes you got to kind of come alongside them as, as they kind of get stronger and able to walk on their own and talk on their own and carry kind of their own weight and do some chores and things like that. And so that's what's happening in Framingham. They're growing really, really fast. And, and I just thought it would be, be good for you guys to know uh, we, we launched way ahead of the curve. We launched with uh, just a little under 300 people, and, and it's kind of rounded down to somewhere between like 125 and 170 people are there on a weekly basis, and, and basically what everybody says, it's going to grow from here and kind of go forward, and so can we just give it up for all of our family in Framingham? We love you guys. We're so proud of you. Thank you for all that you guys are doing over there, serving every single week. I just want to give it up for the setup and teardown team who got up early to make it happen over there. You guys are killing it. We're thankful for you and all you guys that do that every single week. And so just want to say we love you over there. God bless you guys. Amen. Don't forget about Framingham. Praise the Lord. Well, you can get your worship guides out, and we're going to, uh, we're going to get, get right back into our series. We took a little break last week to have my, my spiritual parents were in the house. Pastor John and Helen Burns uh, were here. Was that amazing, by the way? Are they like rock stars or what? Uh, you know, here they are in their 60s, and uh, they're so cool, and they, they have so much just great content, and uh, they're like just a geyser of wisdom. And so Stacy and I actually got to hang out with them all afternoon Sunday into the night. And then the next day we hung out with them all day until they got on an airplane. They were probably exhausted from being with us, but we were just like parasites. You know, we were like, you're the host, we're the parasite. We just, <sighs> you could just feel the suction. You could just feel the suction. Anyway, it was amazing. I hope you guys, and it's just because I want to grow. You know what I mean? I, 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 I just want to keep growing. How many of you guys want to keep growing? I hope you do, you know. I can remember growing up in school and, and uh, you know, um, I was, uh, uh, just hang on to this, I was the valedictorian of my class, I was the best athlete, I was the best looking, of course I was homeschooled. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't any of those things. But, uh, but, but you know, you got to keep growing. One of our core values as a church is, is growth. And, and we say that healthy things grow. 
And so one of the ways you grow is by connecting with other people. And so we do that, obviously, in a measure here, but we do that through connect. We do that through small groups on a regular basis. If you want to grow, it's not so much about information. It's about interaction. You need healthy interaction. How many know we have some unhealthy interactions on a weekly basis? I don't know about you, but I had some on the way to church this morning because they were driving so slow. And so I'm still working on that tree of life thing right there. And, uh, but you need healthy interactions in groups, you know. You need, you need to be able to connect with God, and so that's what this does. This church facilitates your ability to be able to connect with God. and Your, your, your time of remembrance and communion. Uh, you probably don't do that any other place but church. That does, it just doesn't have to be like that. You could have communion by yourself. You could have communion in your small group as well. But this is a time for us to reconnect with God and make sure. It's also a time to connect kind of... Uh, you know, uh, physically, this is where you can serve and where you can kind of use your talents and your gifts. And so some of you, I just want to encourage you to kind of take that next step. Today we have next steps. And this is where you kind of jump on, you know, get out of that, you know, because growth isn't gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. Growth is we give away what God has given us. Amen. So one of the, I, we don't need you to serve. You need to serve. You need to serve. This will help you grow. So if you're, if you're, we have a lot of people that serve. So honestly, we don't, we're, we're, we're doing fine. We'll just do more if you become a part of it. But I promise you this, if, if, if we do a good job helping you and you do a good job pursuing your 10 area, if you're serving in the thing that God created you to do, you'll never serve a day in your life. It'll just feel like the funnest thing you ever did. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, just keep growing. You're going to be going, you're in, we're in the summer mode now. And my caution to you as your pastor is, uh, first of all, go on vacation. Have a ball. I'm going on vacation a little bit. I, I love to vacation. I like to get down and get brown. Come on, somebody. And so, so it, it'll, be, it'll be a few weeks from now, but I'll come back here. You won't know who I am and so you'll be, until I smile. Then you're like, oh, there he is. You know what I mean? And so Because it will be so dark up here. But, but I just want to tell you something. Go on vacation, but don't go on vacation from God. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good. That's good. Okay. Praise the Lord. So, uh, here's, here's what was happening in the Tree of Life series. We're talking about two trees, one good choice, but honestly, there were two choices. In week one, we talked about, uh, by the way, how many were here for week one? Week one of Tree of Life. Okay, if you weren't, uh, and this is your home church, you are spiritual family, you're, you're even a frequent flyer, you're here on a regular basis, this is a foundational message for our church. If you're new and you're checking us out, you want to really kind of understand us, why we do church the way we do, how we look at things, because that's really what it's about. It's kind of your, our approach, our, our worldview. Uh, you want to listen to week one. Roll in about seven minutes in and just start listening on YouTube or on our website. I promise you it'll help you. It'll change. It changed my life. It changed my life when I heard the message of the tree of life. Amen? So week one, we talked about Really, two brands of Christianity. Believe it or not, there are two brands of Christianity. One will leave you at the end of it feeling like, I can't do it all. You'll know that you're, you're eating from the right tree, the tree of life, versus the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if you love Christianity or if you're overwhelmed and, and, and weighed down and there's just a burden of Christianity. If, Christ, if being a Christian is so hard and so oppressive and so difficult, it's because you're eating from the wrong tree. And so we talked about this, this right tree and the fruit that comes out of that is, is, is a result of it. And there's a perspective that changes and it, it'll help you tremendously. And then week two, we talked about the, the tendency, what we all have, to swing between the two trees. 
right? Like a monkey, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident there's a vine between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, God, I know you put a vine there because I was swinging over there all the time. And, and you can swing so fast from this life-giving lens to this, to this other way of looking at things. And, and so we talked about kind of a secret to staying in the tree of life was this is this it wasn't like uh you know one of those things you're going to put on a bumper sticker on your car but we talked about the living the crucified life the crucified life now one of the points that i made if you were in that particular message uh the the one that really stuck out the the one that really um impacted me and i wanted to impress upon you was having a a filter from the world we have no world filter. If you don't have a world filter, you're going to find yourself living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you're going to eat of its fruit. It'll eventually kill you. It'll kill your walk. It'll kill your faith. It crushes and hurts other people. It destroys relationships. It will tear you down. We have to learn. And if you don't have a line, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have a Bible and you have the Holy Spirit, but you better have a line in your life. Where you just say, I'm not crossing over that line. That's, that's part of what we talked about in living the crucified life. Amen? Amen. Now today, this is the third part uh, of the series. And we've been unpacking a lot of the chapters of Galatians. So Galatians 3 is where we're going to spend a little bit of time today. And this is where Paul actually kind of comes into the book and he, it's like an interruption. He's like, I, I, it's just like, you know, like there's a commercial break. He goes, he kind of hits a, hits a timeout. He basically says, I got to make sure y'all understand the gospel. And what I believe with all my heart is there's a lot of people that have been in church their whole lives and really don't get the gospel. And I think that's what Paul was doing here in Galatians chapter 3. And so today's topic is, is called the meaning of it all. We're going to get into the meaning of the gospel, the, the true message of the gospel. And in Galatians chapter 3, if you're taking notes, you can follow along. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 and following, it says, if Paul's talking strong again, because he's pretty impassioned in this particular book of the Bible, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? An evil spell? I was kind of looking up this, this word. I'm like, what is this? Is this like a witch in a cauldron? Is this like, you know, is there some kind of, you know, like... Like, you know, uh, demonic thing here? No, he's not talking about that. Evil spell, in its literal kind of translation, is an evil eye. An evil eye. It's kind of like, you know, Dwayne Johnson's kind of evil eye. You know how he does that? Like, can you guys do that? See, I can't, I can look this, I can look angry and critical on this side, but when I switch, I can't do it. It's kind of like, huh? <laughs> this one's kind of mean, and this one's kind of, whoop. So I can't, I, can't, I can't make this mean. It just won't go. So anyway, an evil eye is, is really more a critical eye. It's more of a judgmental eye. It's, it's an, the evil eye is way over there in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In fact, it's the height of the religious spirit, an evil eye. You know, you know how, how many have been raised in church? Anybody raised in church, kind of like grew up in church? You know what I'm talking about, like that evil eye. You know, it's like you go to church and you, and you can just, maybe you're, you see somebody, they're brand new, and you kind of like size them up. Huh. Obviously, he's new today. <laughs> Nobody told her how to dress for church. 
not taking any notes, pretty much not, you know, on fire for God. You know, you just kind of got that evil eye, you know. My father, when he was preaching, he could preach and still parent at the same time with the evil eye. He'd be like, blah, blah, blah. he'd kind of look over at us, you know, we'd like, ooh, straighten up, fly right. You know, it was just like a, it was like an, I mean, like he, he could just do it with just an eyeball, just an eye. Just a critical eye. So there's, who's, who's cast this spell on you? Who, who's put this evil eye on you in your life? And, and it's, there's this tendency for us to, to be like that, this critical eye. And, you know, Lord Jesus, help them. You know, they don't know, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus, help. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. Whenever you, say, whenever you hear Christians say, we need to pray for them, you know gossip is getting ready to fall right after that. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, so here he goes on and he says, For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you'd seen a picture. So he's basically saying to you, what happened? Because when I came and spelled it out to you, you had a, you had a vivid picture of what the gospel was. You had a, I like to call it a heavy revy. You had a revelation of what the gospel was all about, uh, his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. So he's getting ready to say, say, say something we need to pay attention to. He says, did you, re- did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? Did you, did you uh, really get right here by doing everything right here? No. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't figure out, I didn't change because of what was happening externally. No, I didn't change because of that. So, so he, law of Moses, of course not. You received the Spirit, so you received this gospel, this internal message, because you believed the message you heard about Christ. See, this message was transformational. This, this message was inward, not outward. This message was internal, not external. Is everybody tracking with me out there? Okay? And so you can't change uh, this message you heard about Christ. You're not going to change because of what happens uh, by what you, because of what you do. And I think Christians uh, grow up sometimes either falling back into, which is what happened, in this Galatian church, is they tried to, to add to the gospel, as we talked about in week one, and they tried, to, they tried to go back and start doing things through human effort. In fact, he goes on, he says, how foolish can you be after, after uh, starting your new lives, this new journey in the spirit? Of course, it's not relying on the flesh, but the spirit. Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own, what? Human effort, human effort. See, so there's this tendency for us to think our human effort is going to get us in, in, in right standing with God. And the thing is, if you think your human effort is better, then if you're, if you're living like that, if you're living according to that gospel, then what happens is you'll think your human effort is better than somebody else's. And that's why you get that evil eye. Is when you're living in that type of a gospel, you're going to get, you're going to cast a spell not only on you, but you're going to cast that upon other people. But you cannot change because of human effort. You don't, and you won't, and even more, you're not going to draw anybody else to the gospel because of that. The fuel for your faith and faithfulness and 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 attractional faith to other people is extinguished by that belief system. Is everybody with me? So let me try to pause here for a little bit. And, and even for all you guys in Framingham, you, there's a lot of you that are new to the faith or, or, or maybe just kind of watching from the sidelines a little bit right now. See, we were all, let me remind you, and some of you need this reminder, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. We were all in a bad condition at one time in our life before we knew Christ because of sin. 
you know, and, and, and it doesn't take a lot of sin to get you off with God. In fact, it only takes one sin to separate you from God. One sin can separate, just like one sin makes you a sinner, just like one murder makes you a murderer. You know, murderers don't murder tons of people. Just one murder, you're a murderer. One sin to God, listen, on, it's for, for your benefit, but it also can curse you. One sin is, is, has the same weight as a thousand. Because it's, you're not contrasting your sin to somebody else and their sin or their sins or quanti- quanti- quantity of sins. You're contrasting your one sin to God's perfection. And we're all separated by that. Because we're all separated by his majesty and glory. You know, and, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, the perfection, the majesty of God. So one drop of poison in a glass of clean, pure water ruins the whole glass. Your one sin can separate you from God. One sin separates you from God. So we, according to his word, listen, we all fall short. And so now there's a problem. There's a problem because now, because sin has separated us, uh, you may not realize this, but his word says it all over the place, God wants to be with you. He wants to be in fellowship with you. Listen, God doesn't even want to be your God. He actually wants to be your father. He's trying to create a family of fellowship. And so this sin has separated us. And so this leads to a question. How do we deal with the sin? How do we deal with this separation? Really, there's no difference between us and all the other major religions of the world in this regard. How do we deal with the depravity of man? How do we deal with this separation from God? How do we deal with this sin problem? All religions are trying to figure that out. But Christianity is separate from and distinct from all the other major religions in this regard because uh, Christianity does something completely different and I'll get to that in a second but there's this there's this catch-22 and I can't talk about this fully but because of the justice of God when we sin something has to be done about that sin there has to be a payment there has to be there has to be a wage the Bible says the wages of sin is death there's a there's a payment for that and so if I die then I can't be with God so I, I, I could pay for my sins by dying, but then I'm dead, so I can't be with God. Does it catch 22? Does that make sense? But my death wouldn't actually pay for it because it required perfection, a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice for my sins to be paid for in order for me to be right with God. And so here's what happens is God steps in. God steps in on your behalf and on my behalf, and it was his pleasure to do so. And so he, he comes in kind of to the courtroom of your life, and basically saw you on death row having to make a payment for your sin. And he says, I'll pay. I'll pay the bill for Derek Fry. I'll pay the bill for him or for her. I'm stepping in on their behalf. Come on, let's give the Lord a big praise for that. Amen. You didn't have to die for it. He died for it. It's amazing when you think about it. See, the good news is the bill has been paid. Have you ever had your, if you, anybody ever been to a restaurant before? In America, like, that's like a regular occurrence, okay? Have you, has anybody ever paid your bill? See, I was at a restaurant not too long ago, and, 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 I, and I, the universal sign for check, you know, you can just, you can do this anywhere. You can do it anywhere in the world, you know, check, check. And so also, the waiter comes over, and I say, can you just bring the bill? And he says, uh, he says uh, your bill's been paid. I said, well, praise the Lord. I should have brought my kids. And and once that settled in, I thought to myself, you know, after that kind of humorous moment, I thought, well, there's just something not right about that. Right? Because I, 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 I didn't, 
I, I ate. I ate it. He didn't. He or she didn't eat the food. They didn't, they didn't eat the food, and they paid for it. I ate it, and I didn't pay for it. That's just not right. And see, that's exactly what Jesus did. There's just something not right about the fact that I, I owed. I owed my life for my sins. And Jesus stepped in. He didn't sin. I did. But he still paid for it. I don't know. I, whatever this thing is that has to happen inside you and me, God's trying to make that transpire in your life. See, I always tell people hell's not a place where God is sending people to pay for their sins because he already paid for them for you. Hell's a place if you want to pay for them yourself, you can. That's what hell is. And sometimes we miss this. So in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. For, uh, it says, for all who rely on doing the works of the law, Old Testament efforts, are under a curse. Why are they under a curse? Did God put you under a curse? No, you put yourself under a curse because you went back trying to do it through your own effort. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who does not keep doing everything written in the book of the law. So if, you, if you're going to go back to that system, you better do it all right. You have to do it all, and you have to do it perfectly, and you have to remain perfect for that to work in your life. As everybody, James says, if, if you stumble in any way, you don't keep the law in every way, uh, uh, you, you stumble at one point, you've broken the law, it says in the book of James. Years ago, I've told this story before, but Johnny Carson was interviewing the famous, uh, some of you young people don't know who he is, but anyway, Johnny Carson was the, you know, the Jimmy Fallon of my generation, and so Johnny Carson was interviewing Billy Graham, the, the late, great Billy Graham, and, and he asked him a question. He says, he says to Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist probably who ever lived, he said, have you ever broken one of the commandments? You know what Billy Graham said? Yes, all of them. Johnny Carson was like, What? You've done this, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. And Billy Graham said to him, if you've broken one, according to the word of God, you've broken them all. See, one sin separates you from God. So unless you can keep them all, don't go back to that old effort. You've got to put your trust, you've got to put your, your hope in relationship, not in rules. Can I have an amen out there? That's the difference, and it changes everything. And when we learn this, see, you may know this, uh, but have you realized this? Because if you realize, you know, one, one of the ways that I know you realize this is how you explain it to somebody else. Listen, listen, this is a challenge for some of you long-standing Christians that are out there. I can always tell if somebody knows the gospel by how they'd introduce Jesus to someone else. That is worth writing down for some of you right now. In other words, what would I tell my relatives? What would I tell my kids? How would I introduce them to Jesus? If you introduce them to the law, you're living by a different gospel. And they will have a different result and there will be a different fruit. Does that make sense to anybody out there? So here's the first point. Write this down. The law couldn't be obeyed. That's the realization. The realization is the law could not be obeyed. And it still can't be. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't study scripture, memorize scripture. You can't pray enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't serve enough. You can't give enough. All those things are good. You are not saved by those. You are saved for those. They don't save you, but once you, once you receive the grace of Jesus Christ, once you have that revelation through relationship with him, then you want to do those things. It's the motivation. It's the fuel for those things. But Americans sometimes live a 51% gospel. In other words, I just want to make sure I've done enough good to scale out the bad I've done. As if there's a grading system in heaven on 51%. When I was in high school, 51% was an F. 
But we live by this scale system. But it only takes one sin to miss the whole thing. I, doing more, one more good than bad does not work. That's the law. And, this is, and Jesus is making it clear. And Paul's making it clear. If the law could cure you, it would have done it already. It can't be obeyed. So then, so then Paul says this. He says, then what was the purpose of the law? Look at this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? Great question. Why do we even have the Old Testament? Why do we need to do those things? If he knew we couldn't live it, then why did he give it to us? The answer is this. God wanted to create an internal frustration that would lead you to, to, to grace through faith in him. He wanted, and I'll show you this in the Word in just a second. He wanted you to search for an answer that could not be found in trying. I, I could just, period. In human efforts, in your works. He wanted you to come to the realization, I can't do it. I can't do it. So that you could see he already did it. He wanted you to come to this place. The law was trying to lead you uh, to a place of frustration and desperation in Acts uh, chapter 19 so that perhaps you would reach out for him, though he is not far from anybody. He wanted you to see that in your own life. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, he says uh, this. He says, also, so the law was in charge of us until Christ came in order that we might then be put right with God through what? Faith. It's not through works, not through human effort. Now that the time for faith is here, the law is no longer in charge of us. So now that Jesus has come, the law is not in charge of you anymore. The law doesn't decide for you. We're no longer under the supervision of the law. In fact, the law, write this down, leads us to Christ. The law leads us to Christ. In Galatians um, chapter 3, verse 24, look at, look at how it says it in the New Living Translation. It says, the law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be, look at this word here, made right. See, see Jesus isn't trying to get you to do right. He's actually trying to make you right. It's, oh, I just, I don't know how to do this. You guys got to talk back to me and let me know that you're getting what I'm saying. You can't do anything to be, to be right in right standing with God. It's right, righteousness that produces right behavior. It's not right behavior that produces righteousness. Jesus came to make you right, not to get you to do right. Amen. Are you with me, everybody? And when you have this revelation, listen, this is when the gospel becomes real to you. A miracle transpires inside of you. This is the greatest miracle of all, the miracle of salvation. But many haven't experienced it because you're trying to be, you're trying to do right, and Jesus is trying to make you right. When you realize what he's trying to do on the inside of you, when you realize what he already did for you that you can accept by grace through faith, the miracle occurs in your life. When you receive what Jesus did, you go to a person, you don't go to rules, a miracle happens inside of you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the all things become new the bible says that's what he says to us christianity is not a learned behavior it's transformation of the inner man it's not information acquired for the outer man it is transformation of the inner man and so in galatians 3 24 he's saying the law was our guardian until christ came 
But when he came, he's going to make you a new person. And when you receive by faith, not by human effort, what Jesus did for you, there you are empowered to live right. And a miracle transpires in your life. Amen? So, oh my gosh. Otherwise, otherwise, I'm going to spend the rest of my life just training people and just telling people how to do right and don't do this and don't do that. And the church becomes and pastors become these long bony fingers. And some of you went to that church. Some of you went to that church. You felt that finger go all the way to your seat. You felt those words go all the way. Don't do this and don't do that. Stop it. Stop it. And come back next week so I can tell you to stop it again. Nobody wants to come to a church like that. Can I have an amen out there? All right, so here's your big idea. Write this down. I'm just getting warmed up. The big idea is the power for living in the tree of life comes from a revelation of grace. A revelation of grace. Now, I heard an acrostic, and sometimes acrostics can be long, but I heard an acrostic from Rick Warren that I'm going to unpack for you, so I have no shame in sharing because it it's brilliant what he did on the, on the understanding of grace, and I want to give you kind of grace broken down into an acrostic. In fact, acrostics are funny because I heard this, this guy, he did a commencement speech at Yale University, and um, he wanted to be cool with the kids and clever with the kids, and so he said, Yale, and he kind of, his first point was, you know, students are young, <laughs> And then he, he's, and then Yale, students are adventurous. And Yale, students are loyal. And Yale, students are enthusiastic. And that was kind of cool. But he did it, he taught those four points over 90 minutes. And so he went up to one of the students afterwards and said, did you like my acrostic? Did you like my commencement speech? And the student came back and said, man, I'm sure glad that I didn't go to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Because <laughs> that would have been a long message. <laughs> Turn your neighbors. That's funny. I don't care what you say. That was good. Okay. All right. So I want to talk. I want to try to help you understand grace this way. Write this down. Number one, grace is a gift. This 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 point changed my life. Uh, this alone can change your life. You can't earn grace. There used to be this old commercial, I think it was like Smith and Barney's, you know, something like that. We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. We earn it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Smith and Barney. I'm not. All the old people would say amen. Okay. And so that's how people are in church. You know, that's how people are like, we, we do religion the old-fashioned way. We earn it. We earn it. <laughs> See, you can't. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to earn it. He didn't, Jesus didn't just hand out candy. He gave his life. His gift was his life for you and for me. See, if, see, how would you be different? How would you be marked for the rest of your life? If you were, if I was walking along the sidewalk and the highway's over here, and I got my cell phone and I'm texting and I'm not paying attention, and I walked out into the middle of the road and a car was coming at 100 miles an hour and almost struck me dead, and somebody stepped in in that last moment and saved my life but was struck down, was mowed down and killed to save me. How would my life be marked because somebody gave their life for me that way, stepped in for me that way? I would think about that person every day of my life because I deserve to die, but that person stepped in. Jesus stepped in for you and for you and for you, and he did way more, and he was way more innocent than anybody else could be. Can I have an amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a praise break. For the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 
For the wages of sin is death, the Bible says, but the gift, the gift of God, not candy, his life, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He stepped in and saved you. I have a recycled story I can't help but tell. My son's somewhere in this building, but if you've heard this, you've been here for a while, indulge me. I don't get to teach this in the next steps anymore because it's all video for me now, but I, uh, when my son was young, my, my firstborn, we were, we were living in Alabama, and we had this walkway that went down these, to these stairs, and the stairs were brick. And the short version is my son was running. He was just a little boy, and he fell, tripped, and his, his head landed on the brick of the steps, and it split his head wide open. Really bad. It was a really bad. And, and as a, as a first-time parent, Stacey and I were pretty freaked out. And so we took him to the emergency room, and of course we had to wait in the emergency room forever because they were prioritizing the emergencies above my son. How many know you don't really have a lot of compassion in those situations when it's your kid? You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I don't care. They all can, whatever. <laughs> Give me my kids some help, right? So anyway, and uh, you know, Devin was the happiest kid. He was just a happy, happy baby. He could get in trouble. He was still happy. He could be... You know, there could be all kinds of crazy things. He could be, still be happy as long as he knew he was good with you. Anyway, we finally end up getting in to see the doctor. And uh, the doctor says, uh, Mr. Fry, Mrs. Fry, you're going to have to wait outside. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to be going in the room. No, sir, you, I'm sorry you can't come in. I said, I'm going in with my son. And they said, okay, but it's, you're not going to like what you see. I'm thinking in my head, like, I can handle a little blood. And, of course, they try to get Stacy to stay out, too. And, of course, she's like, I'm going in. You know what I mean? So if you know my wife, he's like, okay. You know, he didn't even, like, push back on her. He was way more scared of her. So we get in the room. So we get in the room, and we're sitting, and, 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 and they, uh, you know, they, they're going to they're gonna Novocaine this part of his, of his head with this, this super, super long. I'm, I'm telling you, this thing was, it was like a sword. It was like Excalibur. And, and I can remember, they, you know, they're putting him on the table, and there's like four doctors, and the doctor puts his like Darth Vader mask on, and Devin's kind of laughing, ah, da, da. and they kind of put him in this little papoose, which is basically a straight jacket, you know, and he's laughing, and they, whoosh, and they zip him tight, and they pull him down, and he's laughing, and, and the, the Vader mask comes down, and he's still laughing, and then the needle comes over, and he ain't laughing. They're like, this is going to take all the pain away. How many know that thing doesn't take the pain away? <laughs> At least not right away. And so um, I can just remember this, this just moment. I don't know how to express it, but basically they go and they, they stick, they're going to stick this needle. And he just lets out this scream. Daddy, daddy. You know, and he kind of tries to pull up. And he's like, he's breaking away from their, their, their mitts. And he's like looking at me like, are you going to let isn't this where you, don't you step in? Like, isn't this where Superman comes in right now? And man, I, I, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for that. And he cried, he cried for like 20 minutes, this, this gut-wrenching scream. And I'm not going to lie, this is not so much the case now, but I remember that cry for years. I went home, and I just cried the whole way home. And as I'm going home, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and basically says, the Father God speaks to me and says, that's what it was like for me when I gave my son. See, I think some of you don't realize what Jesus did. He didn't give candy. He gave his life. I don't think you realize what God the Father did. He gave his son, and he died a horrible, horrible death. He, he, you know any parent would have got on that table if they could for their kid. 
And, and, and God the Father could have got on that table, but you know what? He saw your face, and he saw your face, and he saw your face, and your face, and your face, and he sat back down. Nope, I can't because I love them so much. That's grace. And that grace and that revelation changes everything. It changes everything. He thought of you. He thought of you. Number two. Grace is received by faith. Grace is received by faith. It's not only a gift, but it's received by faith. See, faith is not believe, belief in. Faith is trust in. When my kids got old enough to drive and I would let them use my car, and, 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 and they come to me and say, Daddy, can I take your car? And I'd say, uh, okay, uh, mm-hmm. okay. Mm. <laughs> this wasn't a moment of belief. But I might say, okay, I believe in you. But what am I saying? I'm saying I trust in our relationship that you're going to steward this vehicle and bring it back better than you found it in Jesus' name. <laughs> I was placing my trust in the relationship. So, so understanding grace is understanding that grace is received by faith, and faith is putting your trust in. See, many people believe in God, but very few people trust in God. The Bible actually says Muslims believe in God. Jews believe in God. Listen to this. Demons believe in God, according to the book of James. But very few people put their faith, their hope, their trust in Jesus. See, grace is received, is believing in Jesus Christ. Grace is received by faith. Faith causes you and I to cross a line. The, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, it says, for by grace, for by grace, that's the first point, this gift, you have been saved. Here's the second point, through what? Faith, through trust in, not belief in, but through trust in relationship. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by human effort, so that you couldn't brag about it. That's what the Bible's trying to tell us. In Romans 4, 16, the Bible says, people receive God's promise by having faith. Abraham, it says it was credited to him as righteousness. What? Because he believed God. He put his trust in God. He went all the way up the mountain and almost struck his son dead in trust in the relationship that he had with the God the Father, and God comes through every time. Can I have an amen? And so to those that are listening, some of you are on the line of faith. Some of you are not all in. Some of you haven't crossed the line. Welcome. I want a church that we're filled with people like that. And, and do your due diligence, but I have some bad news for you. You're never, gonna, you're never going to receive that uh, through your intellectual knowledge. You're never going to receive grace. You're never going to uh, be saved, receive salvation, eternal security, relationship with the here and now, forgiveness for your sins. You're, you're always going to receive it on this side of the line, faith. It's always going to be through faith. It's never going to be. Do your due diligence. Study the gospel. But at some point, someday, you're going to have to cross the line. It is by faith. It is by putting your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Every man has to do that one day. We all will do it one day. Can I have an amen? People say, I don't know. I don't know. It's like saying, I don't like sushi, which Deej and I would agree is of the devil. But if you, if you haven't tried it, that's what I would say. That's what he would say. Have you ever tried it? No, I haven't. Hey, I don't, I, I don't want to travel. I don't, like, don't want to go to Alaska. I don't want to go to Have you been there before? No. No, I haven't. Hey, but well, you haven't gone. 
you haven't gone. See, see, you won't know the grace of Jesus Christ until you take a bite, until you go, until you try it, until you try it. It's always going to take faith. Number three, I love this point. This is a huge point. Grace is available to everyone, every, everyone. See, I want to make sure that we have a church that is not casting the evil eye on everybody. I don't want a church like that. If you want a church like that, go someplace else because we exist for all people. Can I have an amen? We want all people to come, you know, broken, busted, messed up, whatever condition you're in, going through some kind of process or change, whatever you believe. God forbid that everybody in the church looks like me, looks like Stacy, looks like kids, looks like my staff. I want all people to be in my church from all walks of life, from all differences, from all backgrounds. That's why we exist. We exist as a church for all people. And the grace of Jesus Christ is available for everyone. Amen? We need this judgment-free zone. Just a personal personal story. i just tell you real quick. I had this guy come up to me not too long ago, and he says, you know, he says, I'm speaking for a friend. I think he was talking about himself. So speak, you know, you know, you have that, you know. Hypothetically, you know, he says, uh, will I be accepted or will my friend be accepted at your church because, because he's gay? And, uh, he, and he said he was born gay. So he's representing his friend, and, I think. And, and, I, and I, said, I said, absolutely. I said, everybody. I said, That's, that doesn't make a difference. Everybody would, everybody's, would be accepted here. Acceptance and agreement are different, I said, first of all. I said, but everybody would be accepted here. I said, let me, let, me, let me tell you something, though. I was born that way, too. And he kind of he paused, probably like some of you are right now. <laughs> and I said... I said, I was born filled with lust. I was born a liar. I actually had a serious problem with lying and, de- and, and, and deception and not telling the truth and the fear of man. And I, I was born with a lot of pride. And I said, but I encountered some people, some Christians, some people who love God. I encountered an environment of grace and acceptance. And, and I was eventually introduced to a person, Jesus Christ, who basically, uh, in, within the context of our environment, showed me grace towards my mistakes, towards my sinful nature, and accepted me as I was. And a change took place, not from the outside, but from the inside. And I actually became a new person. I actually, I kind of, I was, the Bible actually uses this term, I was born again. So yeah, I was born a certain way too. But now I, w- I was born again because I received grace. I received grace. Does that make sense to everybody out there? Romans 10, 13, the Bible says this. It says, for everyone, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. In other words, it's not just come, but it's come to the name of Jesus Christ. What's the name by which we will be saved? Jesus is the name. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it's not in your notes. It's, it basically tells that there is, there is no name given among men whereby we may be saved. Jesus Christ is the only one. So, so it's not just come. Everybody can come. It's a, grace is available to everybody, but we also have to accept God's standard. God's standard is everybody come to Jesus. Everybody come to Jesus. Everybody call upon the name of Jesus. Everybody is saved because of Jesus. And that leads us to our fourth point. Grace only comes through Christ. Grace only comes through Christ. There's this, 
there's this modern kind of notion and thinking that, and you can see it creeping into the church. You know, we don't talk about Jesus as much. We don't sing about Jesus as much. We talk about God and God this and thank God and I love God and God is great and God is good. And that's all fine and dandy. But I'm just telling you, grace is received through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. First Timothy 2.5. You know, you may say, well, that's really, really narrow. He's the only way. Yeah, because he's the only one who dealt with the problem. So you show me somebody else who dealt with the problem of sin and made a way for me to be in right standing with God, and I'm going to sign up for that, and I'll abandon this. But he's the only one who made a way. So yeah, it may seem like it's, it's narrow, and you're saying there's the only way is through Jesus. Yep, because he's the only one who dealt with the problem. That's my answer to that. Amen? In John chapter 1, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 15 says, many people received uh, God's gift of life by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. Uh, Galatians 2.21, are you getting all this scripture, everybody? Don't treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if we could be saved by keeping the law, then there was no need for Christ to die. So grace is a gift, Grace is a gift. As far as I can tell, nobody ever signed up to die for you except Jesus Christ. And he didn't give candy. He gave his life. Grace is received by faith. You can't, you can't, you can't earn it. You can't understand it fully. You have to cross the line. At some point, it requires trust in him and what he did for you. Grace is available to anyone and, and for anything. Grace is available. Uh, but the standard is through Christ. The standard is all, everyone can come to him. Who is he? Jesus. Grace only comes through Jesus Christ. And here's my final point. Are you ready for this? Grace is extended throughout eternity. Grace is extended throughout eternity. Here's what that means. I don't think sometimes we get this. This means that Jesus paid for your sins yesterday, the ones you're going to do today, and the ones that you're going to do in the future. He is, according to Scripture, this is a big word, but he's the atonement. He is the once and for all sacrifice payment for humanity. He's the only, why? Because he's the only one who could qualify to do that. Because he's the only one who, he's the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He's the only one who lived a sinless life. So because of that, he was the perfect sacrifice for and, and fulfilled justice. Justice was served when God the Father gave his son and Jesus sacrificed his life as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. In John 3.16, the Bible says it, and so well, it's a famous verse, you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, Jesus, will not perish but have what? Eternal, eternal life. Eternity, this is what's cool about eternity. Eternity is not just heaven. Eternity is taking care of your yesterdays, paid. Eternity is taking care of your todays, and eternity is taking care of your tomorrows. Eternity begins when you know Jesus. Amen. See, John 17, 3, this then is eternal life, knowing him. So eternal life is not, oh, when I get to heaven, I'll be able to, I'll be with God. No, 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 you can be with God right now. You can experience his grace in your life right now. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. There's way more I could do this, but I'm going to tie these scriptures in at the end to next week, and so you'll get that. But let's, let's just pray. Let's just pray. 
with every head bowed, every eye closed, every person just being very, very still before God. Your next step, for some of you who already received grace, fueled by grace, is to live out what, what Jesus did for you. When, you. when somebody stepped in and took your place, man, you want to do something about it. That's right, you do. You should be fueled, motivated to do more. If you're not, maybe, maybe you haven't received grace fully. Maybe you're here today and, 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 and you need to take that next step in your faith. You maybe need to get baptized. You need to kind of go public with what, what you say you believe. And again, a lot of people believe in, but have they put their trust in? Do they, do they show their love towards other people? Sometimes people need to get baptized. But for many of you, you might be here. You might have been in church a long time, but you've really, really never fully received the grace of God. Grace, a gift. Grace received by faith. Grace available to everyone. Grace only found in Christ. And grace extended through all eternity. If you're here today and you've never fully received grace, you're listening online, you can respond to this prayer. If you're listening in Framingham, you can respond to this prayer. I'm going to pause, and I just want to let God's Holy Spirit speak to you right where you are. And then we'll pray.